Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Teddy Lehman. Name out your f- mouth. I'm going to, okay? I'm surprised you put my name in there, not your own. Well, I was actually looking for Brent Venables, and Bob, every time he's been on with us, has never said Brent Venables. So I just, <laughs> I just like, it was like two minutes. I was like, whatever, I'll just throw Teddy's name in there. Who cares? It'll work. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. That is, uh, it, whenever you look around, see what's happening out there online, check out. Some of your uh, the sites that you get your news, your sports news, or whatever, that's still driving the the whole conversation online. Is the Will Smith, Chris Rock situation from last night, which is so weird. Will Smith went from thinking the joke was funny to walking out on stage on live television. And slapping another man, a man who I assume is probably a friend of his. Yeah, he, right? he was uh, cackling at the joke. Uh, you could see that Jada did not like it that much, but he had to make a pretty quick decision if he even looked over at his wife to go from kind of cackling and smiling to oh, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to go up on stage and slap him. It, it was just weird. He's um. I feel like he's one of the most unlikeliest of dudes to do that because he's always yeah. been looked at as the cool, calm guy. That's what he played in Fresh Prince all those years ago. And I know that right. you're not always the character that you play in a movie, but he's always, I mean, he always plays a role where it's, yeah, he's a cool, calm dude, someone I'd want to hang out with. The, it, he, he definitely seems that way. Um, that's why I feel like drugs are involved or something because – that it's one thing to maybe go backstage after the event and and handle it that way it's another thing on it's the oscars it is a that is a a, a big award show you're in a, a tuxedo to walk up on stage and slap someone in that moment is that's crazy, yeah. man. Well, uh, many on the text line are convinced it was all a setup. Uh, maybe I'm an idiot, probably am, uh, but I am. I don't think that last night was a setup. <laughs> it took me. Sorry. It it took me a while to believe myself that it wasn't a setup. I had to watch it multiple times, and by the way that Chris Rock responded, I. I, I'm I'm pretty fairly convinced it wasn't a, a setup, especially Will Smith afterwards screaming expletives at him. I don't think it was a setup. No, I really, don't, I really don't. Lane from California says, I expected a better pop from Will Smith coming from a guy who portrayed Muhammad Ali. Right. I, know, I was a little bit disappointed in that too. Yeah, I don't know. 
it be, because the slap looks like a movie slap, you know. He he connected, but there was like this big show of pulling the hand back and the big follow through. And Chris Rock even looked a little bit like he was bracing and and kind of somewhat prepared for it, but. I don't know. Dang, everyone I, I on here know. thinks it's an act. Hey, can you guys just let us enjoy this, please? <laughs> What's the fun in that and being like, it was a setup? No, I want to, even if it wasn't real, I want to believe that was real last night because it was awesome. I love the drama. It was like a professional wrestling or something. It was great. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. Uh, who knows what, what actually went down, and I'm sure we'll find out more to the story. Now, uh, I saw this headline earlier, and I wanted to, to see what you thought about it. Is it cause for concern? Nothing to see there. Um, no big deal. But I saw this headline on 247sports.com. Texas A&M official visit resonates with Lebius Overton and his brother, Micaiah Overton. Anything to worry about there? Um. When has that not been a headline when a five-star recruit has visited somewhere? Mm, like, you know, I I, know. I, I, I'm sure there have been some visits in the past for guys that have not, you know, necessarily been awesome. But I, I feel like more times than not, they roll the red carpet out. I'm sure A&M gave him 10000 in cash before he left town. Like, it doesn't shock me at all that it was an awesome visit or worry me at all. Um, I'll get worried – if he cancels his Oklahoma visit. If he cancels his Oklahoma and Ohio State visit, I'll say, all right, dang, he's all but probably locked up to Texas A&M. But we're, what, 48 hours removed from that visit? And to all of our knowledge, that hasn't happened yet. As long as OU gets that visit, it's going to be on the spring game and he's going to make a decision pretty quickly after. I will continue to feel very optimistic about OU's chances if he takes that visit. So and, and we're getting they we're, say, we're getting like far enough away to where if you're going to cancel that visit and commit to A and M, then it kind of needs to be soon, man. I mean, I, I, at least I would think it would happen soon. Yeah, in the language, I, the visit resonates with Levius Overton. That's not very strong language, right? It's not that Overton was blown away by his visit at Texas A and M. It's that it resonated with him. So I guess it's not too strongly worded to where you, you feel like there's something really big going on there. I don't know. I just I thought it was interesting, and I, I still like the fact that Oklahoma is getting the last shot at him, right? Yes, they are. Yeah, he'll have an Ohio State visit before that, but OU is – that's kind of it, and I, I think that's a big reason why they're pushing the spring game so much. Like, OU could use immediate help on the defensive line. There's no doubt about that. But, like, Lebius Overton, five-star defensive lineman, is the same as anyone else. Like, he's not going to change single-handedly OU's fortunes in terms of winning a national championship next year or the year after. But the way I'm looking at it, man, is the message that it would send to the rest of the country if he signs with OU. Because that would be massive to get him out of the state of Georgia, to get him out of the Southeast, to win that recruiting battle for a first-year staff. 
that would be big, man. So I want him like for on the field purposes, but I think that this could have you know a big time payoff when it comes to defensive recruiting if you're able to land a guy like this. Right. That's what I'm looking at. Yep. Yep. I I hope that's the case. That's a that's a big time move if they're able to get a five star defensive lineman before they even play one football game. That would be huge. So and that kind of sets the table for the future, right? Exactly. I know it's not not going to I think they jump one spot uh in the overall rankings for the twenty twenty two class. Um, I think what was that taken from maybe seven to six, I believe. Right. And so it's not going to do a whole lot there, but it, it sure sets the table for like the first one's the hard one, right? Because once you have that one five-star defensive tackle that's in, well, then now not that it's going to open the floodgates, but, it's a big deal. You have to ask yourself if you're a defensive tackle, why has it been so long? Why has no one else done it? Do I really want to be the first guy that they've had in 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 however long, a decade, to to go there? I there's there's gotta be a reason. So whenever someone else does it, there's it's not really hanging over the head uh nearly as much. Like this that's not that big of a deal anymore. Um it's always a big deal to pull a defensive tackle five star. I'm saying it's not that big of a deal that that guy's decided to go to Oklahoma. Right, like that needs to fade quickly. Yeah, totally. It, and it would make everyone, I think, especially in the southeast where you're trying to get turn your head a little bit because we are past signing day part two. Like this isn't the middle of September and a five-star defensive lineman recruits and in a news cycle-heavy type of year. Like, people notice it, but it's like, eh, okay, like everyone moves on quick. Like, all eyes are on this kid right now because he's seemingly one of the last right. recruits in this cycle that has to commit, and I think the highest-rated guy left on the board that still has to commit. So, Ohio State's after him, A&M's after him, OU's after him. I think Oregon's in there as well. It would be one to where people say, dang, this staff, this quickly, a school that has for a while now struggled to get this type of talent on defense, they get him that quickly, dang, BV's got something brewing there. It would just make everyone turn their head, I think, and just say, whoa, what's going on over there? What do they got going on over there? So this is a... It's a pretty big moment, I think, this offseason for uh, recruiting. Hey, some, uh, some things that happened in practice today... Punt returners, we've been talking a lot about special teams. We think OU's going to be more active this year, judged by Billy Bowman's comments. Punt returners today at practice, Marvin Mims, Drake Stoops, Billy Bowman. Do you? Is there one guy in that trio that sticks out to you that you feel a lot better at than the rest in terms of actually catching the ball and big play material, all that? Um... Maybe, maybe Bauman. Why Billy Bowman? I think he's probably the most explosive athletically of the three. But that doesn't always translate. Sure, you know that that doesn't always translate to uh, meaning that he's the best with the the ball in his hand. But you know, as a as a big time recruit, whenever he came here, there was a lot of conversation about what side of the ball he was going to play and where where. He can make the biggest impact, and you know, as like one of those true athlete guys, uh, 
you know, maybe that's his opportunity to, to really show what he can do with the ball in his hands. But, you know, the other side of that is having played defense, you know, specifically for so long, maybe he's lost the edge a little bit there on ball skills, and maybe that factors in. Could I be. don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Baker Mayfield statue unveiling is going to happen at halftime now, not at the end of the game. We have no idea how that's going to happen, talking about uh, Teddy and I. But Britt Venables revealed today it's happening at halftime instead of at the end of the game. you have any guess as to why, um, what, a few weeks before that they would just automatically change that? Like, do you think that they had an idea for halftime entertainment, it fell through, so they're like, I guess we'll just put Baker here instead? Um, no, I... The first things that pop up is timeline for Baker. Like, what what does he prefer? What can he do? Uh, the second thing that pops up is timeline for Venables. Um, like it, it, I'm sure as soon as the spring game is over that he wants to spend as much time with Overton as possible. Yeah, there, and there's other recruits you know? in town that weekend. I mean, he's and, the the big fish, but I, I hear that. Right. It's it's a big recruiting weekend, so my guess is like there's probably going to be some guys that are going to be leaving right after the uh, the spring game. So like he needs to prioritize that time and doesn't want to be caught up. I, I, that's that's just a guess, and maybe that has nothing to do with it. I, heck, I don't even know. I don't know what the original – like, I don't even know what they were planning on doing after the game. I, I'm honestly surprised that it wasn't all planned for before. Yeah. Yeah, me too, because I, I Bob's statue be reveal a, was before, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah no, it yeah. was. It was. It was before. Uh, speaking of Billy Bowman, he's a safety now. No more moving around or trying to see where he fits best. Apparently, they have uh, they they think he fits best as a safety, and they're going to roll forward with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's playing safety, and the safety position has has some real upside to it. There's some really good players back there. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of can they pick up the scheme? Can they be because uh, safety is – it's less about, like, what type of athlete you you are and more about how how reliable you are, how dependable you are. Are you a guy that's in and out with injuries all the time because we can't afford to have you in and out of the lineup? Are you a guy that is prone to making mental mistakes? We can't have you out there. Are you a guy that – is maybe going to miss some open field tackles. Can't have you out there. It's less about just being some explosive athlete than it is about being dependable, being able to communicate, knowing when to make the safe play or the big hit. Like There's a lot to it. So, I mean, they've got some talented guys back there, but you've got to be able to do all of those things before – you just absolutely unleash the athletic ability, if that makes any sense. Last one before we hit a break. Danny Stutzman uh, was talking about uh, the intensity from Brent Venables. Stutzman said, quote, I have a switch. I can be a funny guy, but I hit that field and I'm competing. 
I think his switch broke. I think he's 120% <laughs> every second of the day, which is awesome. You need a guy like that leading because people are going to follow, in quotes. He thinks his switch broke. Yeah, I think that's a great way of – or I more accurately – I think someone failed to install the switch yeah, from that's, the beginning. That, yes, yes. He does not op- operate like a guy that uh, think his, his switch is broke. He just never had one. Right. Yep, mm-hmm. never had a switch, and that's how he operates, and it never changes. I know there's probably this overwhelming feeling for the guys that practice that, yeah, you know, it's – it's new. He's trying to make a, an impression on us. Right? At some point, we're going to settle in to like a more reasonable type of pace in, in day-to-day. And to those guys, I would say, no, nope. that's never going to happen. It's going to be the same exact thing every single day from now until – He's done coaching. Complacency is a real thing for coaches, for, like, dude, everyday humans. If you've been on the job for, like, I, complacency is a real thing. <laughs> Are you under the belief, if he was on the job for 15 more years, that he would be complacent? It's hard to imagine him being any different than what he is right now or what he's always been. And maybe human nature right. would take over at some point, but I don't know with this guy. I, I don't know. I, I would guess that the only way he could ever get complacent is if he won, like, three national championships in a row. But even then, like, he's the type of guy that doesn't take that as an opportunity to get complacent. He would take that and say, what we're doing is working. Let's continue to prepare this way, be this relentless in everything that we do. So... I would say no, I don't see it, but now, just because I don't see him getting complacent doesn't mean that I don't think there's going to be um, headwinds oh, and sure. of course there's gonna be. mistakes and, you know, Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year. I, every Everyone, everyone goes through challenges. Georgia had a tough first year with Kirby Smart. Um, he, they had a tough year four. Uh, what I mean, it, it's it, it'll happen at some point. It's not going to go just, you know, roses at every single turn. He'll th- there will be there will be some challenges that they have to overcome. I'll tell you one of the one of the best things about Venables though is, you know, a guy that is as energetic as he is, as um, assertive as he is. Like he's got his message. And he's delivering it. You would think that he would be hard-headed as far as like taking advice or looking at things from a, a different perspective. But that's one of the that's one of the most interesting things about Venables is even though he was like the most demanding coach that I ever had, he was also the coach that was the most willing to listen to whether it was players or other coaches or whoever it might be to possibly change his opinion or his, his thoughts on something. That's very, and he'll tell you that like he's changed his 
He's changed his mind on a lot of things throughout the years. And rarely do you find those two qualities uh, reside in the same person. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up, hanging out at FSBO Homes. You can check them out online, fsbohomes.com, or give them a call, 405-594-7911. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Would you like to guess what uh, 24-7 sports thinks the one game circled on OU schedule is this year? They did an article, top 25 rankings, one game every team has circled in 2022. And uh, I didn't have to scroll down very far because they have OU at number 20, which is a joke. But what's the one game circled on the on the, on the calendar here? Well, judging by the fact that it was a national news place that did the uh, article, they see, well, it's two Big 12 teams. It's got to be... Oklahoma against the team that won the Big 12 last year in Baylor. (laughs) Of course, Brent Venable's first taste of the Red River rivalry on October 8th is one that's circled for the Sooners, but the two conference games ahead of that one, Kansas State and TCU, are equally important for Oklahoma. Why? So what, they circled three games? Is that what you're telling me? I don't understand that. They circled a third of the schedule. Yes, that's what they did. A third of the regular season schedule. Why would Kansas State and TCU be equally as important as the Texas game? Well, I don't know. I guess standings-wise, they are equally as important. But uh, obviously, culturally... Recruiting-wise, the constant battle for the state of Texas, the Texas game is is far more important than both of those. But you have to win all of them. Right? They're, they're all important. You have to win them all. But the, the Texas game is always going to mean the most. Yeah, I mean... Even it, on five and seven years. <laughs> yeah, uh, which has become a norm now. The first game I'm looking at to where it's like, okay, this is going to be going to have to play well is the Nebraska one. Now, I'm not saying that that's the game yeah. that I would schedule on the calendar more than any other, but the the first game I'm looking at saying, dang, you better show up and play well here is is the game in Lincoln. Like sometimes they can wait until the second weekend in October to play well and get by with it. I Nebraska's not great, but you you know what version of Nebraska you'll get that day. Whatever the best yeah, version is, that's who you'll get. I I tend to believe, and I may be on my own with this line of thinking, but I tend to believe that Nebraska has a chance to be one of the surprise teams oh, no. next year. Oh, and no. I don't mean surprise as in – like winning the Big Ten. I, I don't expect them to, to win the Big Ten or make the college football playoff. I'm not talking about that. What, they win three games last year, something like that? I, I think they're going to be a, a far more competitive football team next year than 
they've been in a while. You realize that's a dangerous road to go down, right? Why? Because it's Nebraska and they've sucked for 20 years now, mostly. Yeah, but there's there's no real danger there. I'm wrong all the time. That's true. That's one of the beauties of being wrong a lot is like whenever you're wrong on something else, you don't get – well, maybe I'll get hammered over it, but no, I don't really care. You did pick uh, North Carolina to win 69 to nothing on Friday in the Sweet 16 game, and Brady Manick scoring all 69 points. You were close on that one. I was close. I was close. What did he end up with? I know he was hot from the beginning. He had 10 right out of the gate. Yeah, he had a good uh, Sweet 16 in Elite Eight. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's going back to the Final Four, and I will be rooting for North Carolina over the likes of Villanova, Duke, and Kansas, please. Go ahead and give me uh, yep. North Carolina in that one. No, um, I think here, – here's the deal. I think you could be right if – and I think only if Nebraska beats OU. I almost feel the way that 2015 kind of worked out for Tennessee, if Tennessee beats OU in that game, they may end up with, you know, two or three more wins that season. Like I feel like Tennessee's – season goes a lot differently if they win that OU game. I feel like that's yeah. kind of the case for Nebraska. If they win that game, then, okay, watch out. They've got some confidence. They might may have a chance to get on a roll. But if they lose that game, it's going to deflate them, and I think the rest of the year could be tough. I think, and that's the scary thing for OU, I think the Nebraska season could hinge on what happens in week three. Right. Well, Here's the thing: if if they if they do turn the corner to any type of degree at all, they should win their first three games, right? What is that? Uh, they got Northwestern, In is Dublin. That North Dakota, and then is that Georgia Southern? So their first three games, they should be able to win all those if they've turned a corner, right? I don't think they'll beat OU. But then Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, like the middle of their schedule are games that, you know, they they should be able to be competitive and, and really win. Now, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, that's going to be a lot more difficult to get over the hump on those type of games. But like, if you just win the games that you should against – all I'm talking about here is the perennial bottom of the yeah, Big Ten. Beat average like, If you teams. could just beat those two, yeah, you, you, you're going to find yourself with like an eight-win season, which they're desperate for right now. Oh, my gosh. They do anything for an eight. They do anything for a six-win season at this point. Uh, Baylor, uh, apparently it's not in Baylor's DNA to overlook any opponent. So 24-7 says the Week 2 matchup at BYU is the game the Bears have circled on the calendar next season. I did not know that, but thank you. That's weird. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for Baylor fans as to who Baylor should circle, circle on the schedule, but uh, my guess is it's at OU in Norman in the – the first game in November, right when you're gearing up to, to make your run towards a Big 12 championship that they've got circled. Pretty good guess. Uh, Oklahoma State, given how last season's Big 12 championship game ended against Baylor, Oklahoma State cannot wait for its rematch with the Bears coming off a bye on October 1st.
That's right. For the first time in program history, Teddy, uh, OSU is looking forward to a game more than the Bedlam game. And it just happens to be Baylor. I'm interested about Oklahoma State. I really am. Which, by the way, we didn't mention it yet. Gundy with a million-dollar pay raise, I know. Huh? That was kind of sneaky on Friday, a Friday news dump. Did he uh, – I feel like he got a million-dollar pay raise a few months ago, too. Or maybe it yeah. was during the season. I think he's making like $7.5 a year now. Dang, good for him. Woo, buddy. Which – He has the ball pace. I, I always say it. <laughs> I always say it. I think Mike Gundy – Probably the most underrated coach in college football. You're in, you're out. How much longer is he going to be there? Seems like he's just kind of there. Having, I mean, he's making the amount of money that he's making right now. He'll probably – he feels like the guy you're going to have to kick him out for him to leave. He'll stay there as long as, as you'll have him. If you would have asked me like 18 months ago, I would have said that he might leave any minute. But after – Going what twelve and two last year, I, making seven and a half a year. Oh, you about to leave the Big Twelve? Are you kidding me? In this new Big yeah. Twelve, making seven and a half, he's all about that. That's crazy, man. Can you think about that? Oklahoma State is paying their head coach seven and a half million dollars a year. Hmm. Woo! I mean, they're not the only school. That's nuts. They're not. I mean. There's other comparable programs to Oklahoma State probably paying pretty similar. That's just the that's the going rate now, except except for Britt Vittables, right? OU got a deal. On, OU has uh, really started to kind of make it a thing to get a deal on their head coaches. Props to Joe C right. for that one. I need to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Mike salaries or Mike salaries. Mike Gundy's salary boosted to seven and a half million. For the 2022 calendar year, million-dollar raise and a million-dollar uh, annual retention bonus. Man, big time! Life's All right, good. quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Stay tuned. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, shall we? 405-651-3439. Didn't Mike Gundy also do a voluntary pay reduction after all the OANBS? Yes, he did. He took a million-dollar pay cut. But that's what I think Mm. not this last million-dollar raise was, but the one before it, I think that kind of got him back to where he was before with his salary. Yeah. Got him back to where he was, and then, well, this is a $2 million raise, an annual retention bonus, million-dollar retention bonus, and a $1 million um, raise. So he was at five and a half, and then he gets the million-dollar salary raise, puts him at six and a half, and then the annual million-dollar retention bonus puts him at seven and a half. Uh, apparently, OSU is also going to do a $40 million stadium improvement. 
So are they going right. to make that uh, giant screen in the end zone even bigger? As if it's not gaudy it sounds enough? Like, it sounds like, from what I saw, wider aisles, more comfortable seats, which is a reduction. <laughs> it didn't list this, but that means a reduction in the overall seating smart capacity. Smart, my – hey, smart right. folks. Um also, I That's heard right. that uh, next to the 1945 National Championship, they were going to put second place in the uh, Big 12. Sounds like something they do. Oh, wow. Nice. Would you be shocked if they Co-champion? did Co-champion? Yeah. Regular, Big 12. No, regular season. Regular season Regular champ. season champion is what it's going to say. <laughs> Come on. you. I wouldn't put it past them. Baylor will be lucky to be 7-5 and five next season along with the Pokes. Dang. If you think Baylor's going to be 7-5 and five next year along with OSU, you – Better have Kansas State rolling off like a ten and two season, or someone else. Seven and five. I'll I'll listen to Baylor coming back to the pack a bit, but seven, seven and five? five. Man, I don't I, I don't know about that one. I got a tough you, time. You got to remember they play in the Big Twelve. You got to find five losses on there, and. I'll, I'll, I'll say they lose to BYU. I'll say they lose to Oklahoma. Right, what, who's the other three losses? Kansas State? Mm, that game is in Waco, I think, this year. Yeah, it's in Waco this year. So, I mean, but okay, they, they, could, they could lose that game, sure. I'll, th- I'll throw that one and could lose. The point is, it's going to probably be hard to find five like, okay, I could see them losing. Those type of games. And they would have to lose all of them. No. Right. Yeah. And like teams like Iowa State, they're hard to get a read on how good they're going to be. Like, but your initial thought is that Iowa State's going to take a big step back from where they've been in recent years. Could be wrong about that, but the amount of star power that they're losing, you feel like Iowa State is, is, is going to be a little softer this year. Right. Oklahoma State is – I think their offense has a chance to be uh, okay, but defensively, a lot of change in personnel, got a new defensive coordinator. I feel like Oklahoma State's not going to be quite as good as a year ago. I mean, you run out of people pretty quickly of, of who you think are going to be better than Baylor. Right. Considering all of the, the things that Baylor still has coming back, I mean, they still – I know they're losing – some talent, but they're going to have a good, solid offensive line. They've got their quarterback returning. They've got offensively and defensively probably like two of the better schemes in all of college football. So I don't know. I, I if I had to say it right now, I I would put Oklahoma as the the best team coming back to the Big Twelve, and Baylor as the second. When's the last time? We've watched an OU football game and said, like, from both sides, not not just one side, but from like both sides, saying, like, "Dang, dude, there were some hats hitting today, man. That was a physical football game." Anything recent come to mind? Well, yeah, every Baylor game that we've played well, for like the last three or four years. But some of those are pretty one-sided, right? Like Baylor got yeah. the better of you. What I'm saying is is that when it comes to both sides being physical and having the like, – with that game being late in the year, 
<laughs> that's going to be a physical football game. That could turn yep. into a little bit of a you know Big Twelve bloodbath. That OU Baylor game in Norman. Those two teams, and, man. Well, you just look at for mm. Baylor. They've got OU and Kansas State back to back. I mean, those are always that Kansas State game is always a physical one. So that's going to be a test for them down the stretch, which they've got. Uh, at OU, Kansas State, TCU, at Texas for their final four games. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, Baylor is I, – I think they'd fall into the category of hard to forecast, but with Aranda as head coach, with Grimes running the, the offense, I, I, I feel really good about them, even not knowing a whole lot about – some of the replacement personnel in some of those spots. I'm going to have to uh, – it's going to be an adjustment for me watching games this year. It's going to feel weird if, you know, OU's playing a backup quarterback or a quarterback we've never heard of starting, not throwing for 425 yards, four touchdowns, mm. and no picks. You know what I mean? Like if OU makes a backup quarterback look like a backup quarterback, I think that's going to be a little bit – it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of us. Not used to it. Well – I don't know that there's any guarantee that that's just flat out I, not going to happen. I said if that happens, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. You know, the secondary has been the Achilles heel for our defense. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. There's been, I guess, plenty of blame to go around, but that one typically sticks out the most because the plays, the mistakes typically are inflamed and result in – uh, you know, bigger plays, chunk plays, touchdowns. But, yeah, consistency on the back end I think is going to be big. And I think it's I think it's really important, and you, you've heard some of the, the players already mention this, but Coach Valai coaching corners and having played the position at a high level understands, uh, you know, he, he sees it from a player's perspective, honestly, whenever it, it – comes to some of those techniques and and how to play some things so I think that helps a lot what about this game in terms of hard hitting on both sides Travis Davidson says Iowa State had some hitting with Perion in the thick six ISU's massive tight ends got some licks in too yeah that's true that was that was a physical game the Nebraska game was a physical game yeah yeah that Baylor game this year dude woo because regardless of what 24-7 says, um, both teams kind of have that game circled a little bit. That's that's going to be hat on hat all, all day long. The hardest-hitting football game that I've watched in recent memory, and we were on the receiving end of a lot of it, was 2019 in Waco. Uh, that game was... I mean, absolutely brutal. Yeah, Jalen Hurts brutal. took about 80% of that. He's getting destroyed every play. Oh, my goodness. That was a crazy game. Shocked that we won it. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> Somehow. What, 28-3 was the score in that game? Jeez. Your quarterback getting destroyed every single play. 28-3 is a scary lead to have these days. You know, that's – 28-3 is not necessarily what you want to have. It's got everyone thinking comeback. Yeah, uh, if you're up 21-3, 
and you're at like the two yard line. It's, it's like, like don't score. Let's just kneel it out and kick a field goal, guys. How about that? Take the field goal. Let's go. All right, uh, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll come back and wrap it up. Hanging out at FSBO Homes today up in Edmond, 150th and Penn. You can stop in. Uh, they're going to help you market and sell your home. Uh, they do a great job. They've got attorneys to help make sure the deal gets closed on the back end. They're going to help you on the front end with certified appraisers, making sure you set the exact uh, right price for your house, and then they're going to help you market it to the buyers online. Not going to market it to agents, going to market directly to the people that will be purchasing the home. They do it all for a flat fee. Check us out, fsbohomes.com. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Final segment of the day. Teddy has a special guest as we close out this Monday. Yep, hanging out with Jeff White here at FSBO Homes. And Jeff, just tell me the process. If there's people listening out there that were thinking about putting their home up for sale, uh, right now the market's really good. What's the process whenever they give you a call? Yeah, I love it. We streamline the process for them when they're getting started. And what that really means is that we go through and first thing we do is we set them up with a professional photographer, uh, certified home inspector that come out to their home. You know, what, we want to make sure that they're getting retail value for their home. And the best way to do that is make sure that home's in retail value shape. And then a critical piece of it is we also make sure that they uh, get a, a pre-home certified appraisal mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that they know how to list their home and uh, list it correctly. You know, the, the number one goal is for them to get maximum value when they're selling. And the best way to do that is go to the subject matter expert, uh, the appraisers, and, and find out what, what they should be listed for. From there, once uh, uh, they get started with us, we, we take over all the advertising uh, for them so they don't have to touch it. We're going out and making sure that they're getting uh, their advertisement uh, posted and listed in the right places, helping them along the way. Really, uh, what I tell people is if, if they can come in, uh, and use us, our services, all they have to do is be able to answer the phone, tell people what it is they love about their home, um, schedule private showings for people to come see it. And at that point, they can direct people to their private seller page uh, on our website, which will allow buyers to come in and make an uh, offer directly to them online. And the beauty of that is it avoids that face-to-face negotiations and allows that the buyer to make that offer uh, direct uh, directly to them online. And so that takes a lot of the uh, the nerves and intimidation out of the factor. And so over 70% of our customers, when they sell a home, they're selling it directly to that buyer on the back end. So they're avoiding realtor commissions on the front end. They're avoiding realtor commissions on the back end. And we have attorney services on the back end to draft contracts for them so that both parties are protected and they don't have to worry about trying to figure anything out. Yeah, peace of mind there on the back end of it to make sure that your contract is le- legit and you're not going to have any surprises. And... Maybe the best thing, you guys do it all for a flat fee. We do it for a flat fee. Our average customer, after paying for our services, is averaging over $12,000 in realtor commissions. There you go. Uh, money talks. All right, that's it for us. It was a fun day. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you.